Here we go. Oh, f*** you, Florio. F*** you, Hello? I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. Frankly, can't get donuts. I'm eating donuts right here in Bunker. I'm hungry. I'll hold you. You know me. I like to stick this thing in my mouth. How come you're not here? I can't believe you're not here, dude. No, not happening this year, huh, Mike? I'm never traveling again. How could you? How could you stand up this this wonderful haircut? I mean, this is. <laughs> I've been trying to model my posture, and I can't get it done. You can you can think it's because of COVID, but uh, it's also because I didn't want to be manhandled by you. Do you any lessons or anything? <laughs> Chris knows where to get good do. weed all, all, right. all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that too. What'd you say, Mike? Huh? Yeah, sounds good, Mike. How's my eye? Hey, did you get punched in the face? <laughs> I'm fighting, you know, my poison ivy. I'm sitting here looking at myself in the return monitor, and I'm going, "Damn, I still look like." Some, like, you know, Jim Harbaugh, somebody threw a left hook at me last night. I don't need to hear Mike. I'm good. Oh, you can tell him that. <laughs> blow Bruce Arians' house down. Say that five times fast. If I blow right. Bruce Arians' house down five times fast, I might get us fired. That's a tough one, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> so, who's your team growing up? <laughs> uh, the Lions. The What? Jersey, 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 right. Jersey. Jets or Giants fans? Eagles. What the? F- I actually grew up a Giants fan, you know, because of my grandfather. Uh, he loved the Giants when Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims was playing. So- hey, here comes Chris you know Sims. He's he's going to yes, be sir. all excited yep. now. Yeah. I just want to sure. Okay, take some ass, yes, sir. Louisville, Louisville. How how's your dad from there? And you can't even say it. Right? Oh, my dad's an idiot. <laughs> all right, I'm getting some tricks, Mike. Yeah, I know. You you need them. Right, you need all the yeah. tricks you can get. And I got a big mother here, okay? You swear on NBC? I do. I broke their I broke the ice. Dang. That's a power move. Got Andy Reid's earwax on it. I didn't hear you one time. I'm sorry. Oh, it was off. It was off. I heard that, that they used to lock Chris in the closet, and my only question is, why did anyone ever let him out? In case you're wondering, I currently do not have to poop. Jeez. <laughs> okay, what a capper. Uh, with that said, um, who, who, uh, all right, Scouting Combine Recap. Here we go. Most impressive performance, Chris. I assume that you carefully studied every minute of every hour of the exhaustive coverage on NFL Network. Who had the most impressive performance? Gosh, there's a lot. I mean, there really is. First off, I mean, the school of Georgia, they're defensive freaks. I mean, we heard about that, and I think that's where you start off. I mean, again, there are two defensive tackles, especially Jordan Davis, 340 pounds, running 4'7 or 4'8 flat, whatever. The speed at the combine in general was insane. It was the fastest combine we ever had in the history of the NFL. Are you kidding me with that guy right there? Like, are you kidding me at 340 running that? That's insane. I mean, that that to me is a guy that, yes, now was obviously going to be a first-round pick. But when you show that type of speed and athleticism, that changes everybody's perspective to now you go, oh, wait, this guy can play on third downs, and he can rush the passer. We don't have to take him off the field. And, oh, man, wait, he is going to be able to shoot a gap and – cause disruption it's not just going to be a big guy that kind of makes a mosh pit in the middle of the offensive line and makes it hard for us to run on I mean that's that's I mean you could see the rock was impressive he said holy holy crap Batman that was fast uh that that to me was probably the star of the show let alone like Baylor how about Baylor having the fastest DB in the combine the fastest wide receiver in the combine I mean that to me was the funnest thing to watch, Mike. The wide receivers and DBs. It was one four three after another, 
and that was uh, pretty cool to see. Lots of rockets up people's butts in this combine. Well, let's start with Jordan Davis. You mentioned him, the Georgia defensive tackle, 4.78 seconds. Fastest for any player over 330 pounds at the combine since 2006. Now, I still have memories of Bruce Campbell and how he blew everyone away. Offensive tackle had a really fast 40. The 40 is not relevant to an offensive tackle ever, except when something really good is happening or when something really bad is happening. It doesn't matter to an offensive lineman. But it is an indication, not that you're going to see Jordan Davis chasing guys around in a straight line, but that athleticism right. comes in handy because you right. put that big guy in the middle of the defensive line, and yes, he's got to be strong enough to fend off blockers, but he has to be athletic enough to slip through cracks and get after the quarterback and chase him around in the backfield, Chris Jones style. Right. Right. There you go. Um, so speaking of uh, memories of Chris Jones, when he ran the 40, he had a wardrobe malfunction when he ran the 40 all those years ago. It didn't happen to Jordan Davis. But so that that straight line speed at least has a little relevance to a guy who is going to be charged with fighting that daylight and taking off after a quarterback, even if it's not going to be a straight line run to the quarterback no doubt no doubt it just shows he's got a versatility right he's just not going to be that guy that you just go oh he can just go and hold the guy up and go you guys can't move me and now i've messed up the play that way there's yeah you're going to be able to play you know defenses to your point we're going to go hey no the hell was holding that guy up just get through between the guard and the tackle right there shoot that gap and get in the backfield and just blow the play up and and cause chaos uh, that that to me you know, is is what he showed that he's going to be able to be that guy as well as the guy that can hold people up and cause that mosh pit. And I would think that, you know, hey, it seemed like in a lot of mock drafts you looked at, and you know me, I'm at the very start of my evaluation phase here of all this stuff. He was like towards the end of the first round and most things I saw in the 20s, that type of performance there, you know, moving like that, that's going to move him up five, ten spots at least. It really is. And I would think when all said and done, he's a little higher than, than a lot of these mock drafts have him uh, as of right now. And, and there's a difference, too, between the final time because that doesn't really matter. You're never going to run like that on a football field, especially without pads on. But you could see the athleticism in how he moved. I think that's the key. Right. As he's moving, you're saying, man, that guy is flying. It and how he got out. the screen. Right. right. Yes. And, and so that's what I think is particularly relevant. It's, it's the Vince Wilfork factor, the really big guy who isn't just a sack of potatoes. He's a guy that can make things happen athletically. Wilfork's that way. The best defensive tackles are that way. Now, Aaron Donald isn't that big, but it's the combination of the strength and the speed and the athleticism of Aaron Donald with a body that you just can't move. That's the ultimate combination, Chris. 100%. You can't move him. And he's going to move through and past you, and he's going to be gone before you even realize what happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just so easy for him. You watch here the drills, just the way he turns. I mean, the body control, you know, for somebody that big. Legs aren't flailing all over the place. I mean, he's really extremely athletic. And then, you know, to all these things you're talking about, what you're seeing here, what it means is, yeah, it's the underwear Olympics and all of that. But, you know, again, to your point, Mike, Now it's like, hey, we're going to play 4-3 defense. Hey, you're the shade nose tackle. Hey, you're athletic enough. Let's put you at the three technique. I mean, look at that. That was pretty damn good just in itself. Falling down, you know, somersault over. You know, hey, we want you to play three technique and be out here a little bit on the outside edge of the guard, cause chaos there. Oh, wait, hey, we're going to play a 3-4 defense now. We want you to play nose tackle. 
oh, wait, wait. Now we got another big guy. We're going to put him in nose tackle. We want to make you, you know, the 3-4 the defensive end who lines up straight up over the offensive tackle. He's going to be able to do all of that stuff. And especially now with the athleticism, it's going to open people's eyes to this versatility, what they saw, and realizing that, you know, there's more potential than probably even the way he was used in Georgia. And that's what's going to excite people. People like this, they just there ain't a lot of people on earth walking around at, at 340 that can run 478 and jump like Jordan Davis can. You mentioned the Baylor guys, Kalen Barnes, Whoa. DB from George, uh, from Baylor, generated the second fastest 40 in scouting combine history at 4.23 seconds, one one-hundredth of a second behind John Ross from five years ago, the Bengals receiver, and one one-hundredth of a second ahead of Chris Johnson, the Titans running back from 2008. And with, with defensive backs, the 40 is extra relevant because it speaks to recovery speed. Exactly. Guy runs past you, you've got the ability to close ground, especially if the ball's in the air and you've got a few extra seconds to try to catch up to him. That's where it becomes very relevant to have that kind of speed as a defensive back, Chris. A hundred percent. You know, first off, you're covering a bunch of guys that run 4-3 and 4-4. Four, four. So if you can run a 10 faster than them, of course, they know where they're going. You don't. So you got to be a little bit faster. What does great speed do? It allows you to be, hey, when I'm running 90%, I'm still running 4-4. Four, 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 and now because I'm not going 100%, you know, I can change directions and do things like that to where, yeah, I'm protecting the go route, but I'm not going 100% because I'm naturally really fast. And, you know, now when that receiver puts the brakes on to run an out route or a comeback, they're able to – you know, be more in control because they're not having to worry about, oh, my gosh, I got to get on my horse and fly because this guy can run by me. No, they're in control. They can stop, now make a break on the football with their explosives that way. So that's where, to your point, Mike, it is special. And, you know, you go through it with DBs and the history of the NFL. This is one thing. This is where, you know, it drives me crazy every year. The greatest DBs in the history of football are the fastest guys on their team for the most part. They're 4-2, four, 4-3 four, guys. You know, when you start getting shut down corners who run what four four eight or four four nine, they don't really exist. Four five flat, that does not happen. Deion Sanders, Champ Bailey's, Darrell Revis's of the world, all those guys—they're all four two, four three ish. They're in that range, and that's why it's really, really important because we know there's a lot of freaky receivers in the NFL right now. Texas San Antonio cornerback Tariq Woolen also put Freak in a four point two six second yard forty. That was the fourth fastest 40 yard dash in combine history do we have he's six four this kid 40? too mike That's this amazing. kid six, six four and a half four? And 205 pounds right that is amazing and the, the the reality though is and this is the caveats when you look at the list of the fastest combine 40 yard dashes ever there aren't many star players that jump off the page so again it's just one sure. piece everything that happens in the combine is just one piece it's a fairly important piece but the fastest of the fast for the most part, they, 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 they've had limitations on their ability to play at the NFL level, which just underscores the fact that when you're on a football field, number one, you have pads on. Number two, you have other guys who are possibly getting in your way, putting more of a premium on stopping and starting and moving through physical distraction as opposed to just being able to do what you do best which is run fast in a straight line. And there's a frustration factor that comes into play when you know you're really fast but you can't show it 
because you got to get through this guy. Well, you know, if you're a receiver, you got to get off the jam at the line of scrimmage. If you're a defensive back, you can't, you've got to go this way and that way. You, you, you can't show it off. Yeah. You'd like to show sure. it off. You'd like to just go out and run the 40 and say, hey, if I can run the 40 and sub 4-3, give us seven points. But that's not how it works. No. That's why, again, it's just one piece of a broader puzzle. But, hey, it's always better to be fast than not fast. It, it's a big piece. It really is. And, yeah, there's some guys out there, like you said. I mean, John Ross, yeah, he hasn't lived up to it, no doubt. There's, there's, there's some of those guys. You're right. You've got to still be able to play the sport and be athletic and move in different body positions and all that. But there's still a tangible piece of evidence. Again, a lot of the really, really fast guys sometimes don't run at the combine either. The freakiest guys don't have to do it anymore. So you can't forget that. You know, speed is still real. You know, you look at the top DBs in the history of football, like we said, Daryl Green, Deion Sanders, those are the fastest people ever. You know, Joey Galloway at wide receiver, Randy Moss. You know, there's some of those guys, they didn't, you know, Galloway ran a 4-1 at the Combine, you know, before the laser times. Moss, he wasn't, he wasn't at the Combine because he was in trouble, right? I mean, so it is a real thing. There's no doubt about it. But there has got to be a combination of being able to play football and not being a track star. But, uh, you know, again, you look at some of the greatest players in the history of our sport, you know, whether it's DBs, receivers, and running backs, you know, most of them have another gear that a lot of the guys on the field don't have, certainly. And that's where, you know, you try to find this now and piece it, piece it together. Wait, can this guy really play? Or is it really just a straight line guy, to your point, that can't do much off of that? And now you start to dig through it. Is he coached the right way? You know, can we teach him certain techniques to make better? And you see where it goes from there. As you mentioned, it was the fastest ever combine from the perspective of the 40-yard dash. Average speed of 4.71 seconds. 31 players with a sub-4-4. That was the most ever. Man. It was the fastest running back, receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back groups ever. To the point where it makes me want to go inspect the surface. Like, did they put down some new special turf down that one white stripe? And and I I say that facetiously. I will say this, though. I haven't written about this at PFT. But there is some suspicion from people within the broader combine production bubble that those unofficial times that were popping up on Thursday night were goosed a little bit to be lower than maybe they should have been just to generate buzz and get people to tune in. What a shock. A TV network trying to get people to tune in. But you saw some of those. Like there was a 4-2-1 that ended up being a 4-2-8. The receiver from Baylor. Right, right. Yes, Yes, there was some. some. But, Mike, you know, to argue against that a little bit, there was some the other way too where guys were – it said 4-3-2 and then they came back and corrected it and it was like, no, you ran 4-2-7 actually. You ran better than the thing we put out there. Definitely. I think we had a, what we had is a really fast year. I know a lot of people, the conspiracy theorists are out. I know. I get it. But here's another piece of, like, real tangible evidence to tell you that this is a fa- fast class. You know, I know with the Senior Bowl, you know, they, they made them wear, you know, what are those damn things that keep track of how fast and your heart monitor and all that. I'm forgetting the damn name they use. Whatever. But their GPS tracking system. It's the Zebra Technologies. Right. We have Sean Payton on every year talking about Zebra Technologies. Right. The, it's the device. Yeah. Right. So they were, and I know just through the Senior Bowl, and they, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, who does a great job on the NFL Network through the Combine, he even said it. You know, some of these guys' numbers that they had through the Senior Bowl were like, whoa, this is really fast. This guy in practice ran 22 miles per hour today when he ran after a receiver. Or this guy caught the ball and he hit plus 20. So there was numbers and people out there already thinking that this combine was going to be like this just to kind of squash. And here's your receiver who originally we thought 4-2-1. I mean, this guy is rolling. I mean, 40, 
he was still getting faster. I think that's what's scary. And when you watch these receivers, you were just like, oh, my gosh, is every guy going to run 4-3 here? I mean, it was just one guy with three rockets up their ass after another. It was awesome. It really was. It was as fun as I ever remember watching the 40s, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It really was. You know who this is bad news for? What's that? Bad news for the guys already in the league. You don't want the incoming class to be this <laughs> yeah. good. Right, right. right. Hey, hey, uh, I remember we're boycotting off-season workouts, rookies. Don't show up for off-season workouts. Nobody's showing up. I mean, there is that that push and pull because it's a zero-sum game. There's only so many jobs in the NFL, and if some of these guys, if too many of these guys are good coming in, it's necessarily going to force some of the older, more expensive guys out. So uh, biggest losers this weekend – Guys who have been in the NFL Vets, for uh, five plus years, years who have right. started to you're, lose a step. You're deep crap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what these guys can turn into. But certainly some guys that have some, you know, explosive elements. Even the running back from Iowa State, he was phenomenal. You know, a guy that you look at and go, oh, he's got some star potential maybe at the, the next level. There was a lot of guys that really looked the part, and uh, it looks like it's a class that's got a little of everything, Mike, you know, from what I even hear and what I see. You know, you got some top-level stars, and it seems like there's pretty good depth throughout the draft, too, to where, you know, this will be an important one for teams that, you know, can, can, are trying to build a team. Depth is the key word, but the absence of superstars makes it a draft that is harder to sell. Where are the high-end quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, fine. But it's not like, you know, it's not like there's going to be a quarterback taken first overall. And here we are. We still don't know who's going to be taken first overall. Is it going to be one of the defensive ends? Is it going to be a tackle? We don't know. And, and I think we're going to hear, and this is something Peter King mentioned last week, we're going to hear a lot about teams wanting to trade down. Because they're going to think, hey, you know, if there's someone out there that really loves someone and is willing to give us more, we're content to slide back and pick from whoever's left because we don't feel so strongly about this guy that we have at the top of our board that we're not willing to give that up if we can get a few more lottery tickets and go back five, six, seven, eight spots. Yeah, it, it could be that way. It does look like it has the potential to be that, where you go, well, maybe this is one of those years where you know, the number one corner in the draft is not significantly better than the number five corner. Or you go, man, there's ten corners that are legitimately, you know, top-notch. It it does seem that way. Again, I don't have great feel for it yet at my beginning stages. But the quarterback thing, yes. We came from a year last year which was unbelievable. I mean, that was an unbelievable year last year. You know, again, it was to me it was – I said this repetitively last year. It was one of the hardest quarterback classes ever to evaluate. They were all really damn good. It was hard to rank them, you know. Some guys had tremendous strengths in one area. One guy had a weakness in that area, but then it was vice versa somewhere else. We don't have that at quarterback this year. There's no – there's really – I don't think any of these quarterbacks are legitimately top ten picks in the NFL draft. Now, quarterbacks are overvalued as we know that, but – and uh, I don't think that this is like a star-studded class group of guys, and I certainly didn't say wow to really any of them watching them work out on Thursday night. A lot of good, but I didn't go, oh, wow, oh, my gosh, look at this. I, I don't know. We'll see where that goes through my evaluations as well. Here's the other thing to remember, too. After free agency, there may be a team or two that had a high degree of urgency to get a quarterback that didn't get one, so – all of a sudden, yes, the right. top quarterbacks the in this year's class thing. look a yeah. lot better relative to everyone else, right. and they climb that way. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, a guy who was a top-ten pick seven years ago, Amari Cooper, 
possibly on the outs in Dallas. We'll make sense of last week's report that the Cowboys are likely to release Amari Cooper when PFT Live definitely returns right after this. (laughs) When players sign long-term contracts, the total value often creates the headline, but the the real story is how much is fully guaranteed at signing. How many years does the player have guaranteed? When Amari Cooper signed a five-year, $100 million contract two years ago with the Cowboys, first thing we did, we broke it down. Hey, this is a two-year, $40 million deal. After that, he could be gone. And he likely will be released after only two you years. You called it. Into this new contract. Well, it's $20 million, and it's fully guaranteed on March 20. Good for Amari Cooper's agent to include an early trigger too many deals don't have those because otherwise the Cowboys could have waited and waited and waited with the money not fully guaranteed until the start of the regular season. They have to make an early decision by March 20 what they're going to do or that money becomes fully guaranteed. So when they put out the word that they're likely going to release him, Chris, that's an invitation to trade for him right. and possibly a precursor to making him an offer on a reduced deal with the understanding that if he doesn't take it, he's going to be cut. And maybe, maybe the Cowboys, whatever they're willing to offer, is as good or better than what someone else would offer him if he becomes a free agent. So maybe he takes whatever they say to, you know, we're going to pay you $12 million. I'm just throwing out a number. Yeah, right. But if no one else is going to pay more than 12 you take the 12 Sure. you're right off the eight, and you keep going. It, it seems like he's happy in Dallas. That's the one thing, you know, we've continually heard about Amari Cooper there, you know, over the last few years. They seem to like him. You know, even with some of the COVID issues he hit with this, this year, Jerry Jones was – you know, adamant about sticking up for him and about the person Amari Cooper was. He's got incredible talent. He does. Now, he just, you know, health has been a little bit of an issue, banged up a lot. That's been part of the problem. You know, wh- where you called it from the get-go was when they drafted C.D. Lamb. That's when you, you called that. You know, I remember you saying, well, this, is, this might make Amari Cooper expendable in two years. Well, it does. And, yeah, I have a hard time. I don't know. I don't think Amari Cooper is going to be able to command $20 million a year right now in the market. I don't. Well, so that that's where I look at it, and you're right. Now, there's some teams out there that have a real need at wide receiver and got some money to play with. Now, that's where it does get interesting. So he's going to have to balance that. You know? And again, yeah, do you want to stay somewhere comfortable and make less money, or do you want to put yourself out there and maybe not be you know, part of the Dallas Cowboys or a better football team, but make something close to the $20 million a year you were supposed to make? You know, and you do look at it. You look at the Dolphins, the Jets, the Colts, the Browns, you know, teams that I look at, they go, oh, they all need receiver help. They all got a lot of damn money to to throw around, too. And it's just going to be what's the market for Amari Cooper out there is the the big question. But he certainly can play and still be dangerous, that's for sure. Technically tampering for other teams to talk to Cooper's agents about what would be available if he's cut, but that's how it works. And sometimes it benefits his current team because, again – Maybe the Cowboys will pay him 12, and if no one else will pay him 12, it's good that he finds that out before he tells the Cowboys to shove it. I don't want your $12 million. So there's a method to this being leaked. It's either to get him to take less or to maybe swing a trade if there's multiple teams that are willing to pick up a contract that he would willingly revise. If he's not willing to do anything, then it's simple. He becomes a free agent because he gets cut because they're not going to pay him $20 million fully guaranteed for 2022. One last point on Cooper, though, and we'll, we'll emphasize this even more if and when they cut him. 
Remember when they traded for him in 2018? The 2019 draft rolled around, and the Cowboys puffed out their chest when their first-round pick would have been exercised and said, we went and watched film of Amari Cooper for our first-round pick. Well, you know what? You know what? From 2019 through 2021, they paid Amari Cooper $53.9 million. If they would have used the 27th overall pick, it would have been a four-year, $11.4 million deal with a fifth-year option on the back end. And receivers who were available at the 27th overall slot in 2019 include Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf for $11.4 million for four years Let instead alone, of $53.9 yeah. million for Amari Cooper for three. Agreed. Let alone I think they misread the talent they had on their roster already at the wide receiver position. I, I think they undervalued it. You know, again, now, Michael Gallup's hurt, but we hear – I don't think he re-signed a new contract Not yet. yet right? Close. There was a talk last week that it's close. Right. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a head-scratcher, certainly, and you're right. I mean, they're going to look at that now and go, man, that was a lot of money. Um, but we'll see where it goes. You know, he's an incredible route runner. He really is. He still has home run hitting speed to where he can catch a, a go route and run by you for a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, he's got a lot of game left in him with Amari Cooper. So I would think there's definitely some teams that want his services. It's just going to be about how much money he's, he's commanding or asking for. You can keep Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson for less than what's going to cost you to keep Amari Cooper. And – and you can draft one of those really fast guys who we saw at the Combine. That's the other side of it, too. That makes it harder to justify paying Amari Cooper $20 million a year. Also hard to justify paying $19 million a year to Demarcus Lawrence. That's his base salary. He counts $27 million against the cap. His future is in doubt after he reportedly declines to take a pay cut. That means he's gone. He's done. It's over. And that money's going to get invested most likely in Randy Gregory, right? I, I guess so. I would think, yes, you know, some of that's going to go there, certainly. But this is that's that's a big development here. I mean, that really is. Again, you know, Dallas's D line, it's good. We know that it's not great. I think it was a little overrated. Demarcus Lawrence, clearly the most talented defensive lineman they have. Now, maybe this is a sign of we're going to move Mark Micah Parsons there, and 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 let him be a true defense end. And, and use other guys to play stand-up linebacker. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, yeah, he's looking at this going, what? I mean, I just signed this contract not long ago. You know, I'm a big part of this team, and he's not going to take less. He's not. He realizes, wait, pay cut? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to demand pretty big money out in the free market if you cut me. He is. I mean, he's still a damn special player. He's had a little bit of an injury history and dealt with some issues last year, but damn. I mean, he's a difference maker, and I can understand him not wanting to take a pay cut. Played in seven games last year due to a foot fracture. But, you know, the Cowboys got to make some tough decisions. You only have so many cap dollars to allocate, and the performance and the production definitely have dropped Big time. since 2017. 14.5, down and down all the way to three this year. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the franchise tag deadline is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. Who should be worrying about getting tagged? It is not an honor. It is not a privilege. It is a restriction on your ability to go get paid as much as you're worth. We'll discuss who needs to worry about that when PFT Live continues right after this. J.C. Jackson wants Jalen Ramsey money, and he may be able to get it because the Patriots reportedly don't plan to use the franchise tag on J.C. Jackson. Well, I'll believe it when it doesn't happen. This is the thing that that is odd to me about the process of using the franchise tag, Chris. They created a two-week window for it. You don't need a two-week window. You need one day. 
8 a.m. to 4 p.m. One day, that's when you apply the franchise tag. Very rarely do we see tags get applied early. Sometimes it happens because teams want to send a message to other teams, hands off at the scouting combine. Don't even bother talking to player X's agent because he's already been tagged. But that didn't happen this year. The first tag we heard of comes courtesy of the Kansas City Chiefs via ESPN, Orlando Brown will be tagged not a surprise they traded for him just a year ago you don't want him to walk out the door as a free agent after you've just traded for him so 16 and a half million roughly what he'll make on a one-year deal it gives the Chiefs time to try to work out a long-term contract the deadline is July 15 otherwise the player can only play under a one-year contract so we know he's tagged but back to JC Jackson kind of a surprise that the Patriots aren't willing to tag him we don't know whether or not they're willing to pay him but they're gonna have to compete with everybody else if they don't tag him and they already they already got rid of Stephon Gilmore we thought when they got rid of Gilmore that meant they were gonna keep Jackson maybe they keep neither I I mean I guess they're calling his bluff a little bit right and I guess they don't want that one year huge chunk on their on their salary or on their payroll to where they'd like to okay go ahead look at shop yourself around and come back to us and They'll see if they can match or, or make something long-term work that makes sense for, you know, the year, year, yearly salary cap hit there. But, like, here's the first – like, but first off, I you know, on social media, I look at it, a lot of people are like, that's crazy. J.C. Jackson wants Jalen Ramsey. What what are you talking about? It is not. What, what is – what the hell is everybody talking about? You mean the guy that's got, like, more interceptions than anybody in football over the last four years? I mean, you mean the guy that's like plays man to man more than any other corner in football? I mean, look, wasn't it during the playoffs when who were the DBs? Darius Slay was texting during the playoff. Who was that? It was like, man, yeah, New England. All they do is play man to man every play. Nobody was more pressure on their corners than, J- than the New England Patriots. J.C. Jackson is one of the best corners in the sport. Yeah, is he Jalen Ramsey? I don't know. In a lot of ways, I think his man to man coverage skills are every bit as good as Jalen uh, Ramsey. I do. I mean, this is a guy that they, they didn't let Stephon Gilmore float down the river because they thought J.C. Jackson was chopped liver. They went, wait, wait, this guy is legit number one corner. We can, we need him. We don't have to pay Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson at the same time. You know, you want to compare to other people in the market, right? You want to look at it that way. Marshawn Lattimore is making $19.5 million a year. I'm taking J.C. Jackson over Marshawn Lattimore. I'm taking J.C. Jackson over Tredavious White, who's making 17.2. Not even close in that department, in my opinion. So he is worthy of that contract. Uh, that, that, that is real. And I would think that he gets something close to that in the market, and it's bye-bye New England Patriots. Did you intend to make a rhyme there when you were saying they wouldn't have sent Stephon Gilmore down the river if they believed J.C. Jackson was chopped liver? I did totally did not. Did. That was. That, was, that, that damn, that was good. That rolled off the tongue nicely, but I did not mean to do that. <laughs> um, here's the other reality too Jalen Ramsey got his five year $100 million contract while under contract with the Rams you right. maximize your earnings by becoming a free agent first day of free agency strike it rich it happens every year there's always going to be teams that have money to spend they want to create some buzz they want to renew season tickets they want to take attention away from other sports teams in their market it's part of the business of football we'll worry later whether or not the guy can play for now Let's hold up that Jackson jersey. We got one of the best Patriots players. Here he is. It's easy. It's easier to get maximum dollars if you can hit the open market unfettered. That's why the franchise tag is not a good thing for players. It never has been. It never will be because it keeps the player 
from getting the payday, the potentially generational, generational wealth that he's already earned. It delays it by a year. Then it delays it by a second year. And maybe by the time you get to the point where you can finally force your way to the market, the rest of the market doesn't care. But I think they'll, they'll line up for J.C. Jackson if he's available. They're already talking about maybe the Chargers going after him. There'll be teams that go after J.C. Jackson if they truly don't apply the franchise tag, Chris. We'll find out by 4 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. Maybe, maybe the Patriots are just messing with us. We'll find out whether or not they follow through on their plan to not do it. No, you're right. But, they, I mean, you said there's a team that makes a lot of sense right off the bat. I mean, Brandon Staley, we talked about him. We talked about they need more DBs with the way they play. I mean, they have a lot of money to spend. There's a need for a guy like J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson could do it all. He really is. He's a phenomenal zone corner. He can play shutdown man-to-man. He didn't have his best year last year playing man-to-man, but still makes a ton of football plays, and they put him in a ton of such tough situations. You know, again, for my money, I look at it, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Lattimore, Jair, Jair Alexander, Xavier Howard, J.C. Jackson – those, to me, are the top names in the sport when it comes to guys that can cover, you know, the elite receivers. I think that's the cream of the crop of those guys I just mentioned right there, which means, you know, he, he deserves to be paid in that range as the, the top corner in the sport. And, um, you know, the other alley with Jackson, last year when he was a restricted free agent, they only used a second-round tender, and he got no interest whatsoever. I thought someone, when they applied yeah. the second-round tender, right. someone would, would happily give up a second-round pick to try to snatch him away from the Patriots. It didn't happen. But if he walks into the open market, unrestricted, he's, he's going to get – he may get better than Jalen Ramsey money by the time it's all said and done. We mentioned Orlando Brown. Reportedly, the Chiefs are tagging him. Devontae Adams, we expect the Packers – we expect the Packers Got to, to apply the franchise tag to Devontae Adams. Uh, they haven't made much progress in a long-term deal. And then the question becomes, if they tag him, does he get an extension before July 15? Here's, here's something I want to point out. And, and I remember when Devontae Adams did his current contract late in the 2017 season. Actually, after the regular season was over, the Packers didn't go to the playoffs that year. That was one of the years that Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. Right. They were done. The hay was in the barn. The season was over. His contract was over. The injury risk was completely off his shoulders. He did a long-term extension instead of waiting to see whether or not they apply the franchise tag. That that was a mistake then, and it makes it a more glaring mistake now because he'd be getting tag number two for his career. Once you get tagged twice, you're never getting tagged again as a receiver because it's quarterback money right. if you get tagged a third time. If he had forced them, if his agent had said, let's not do this deal now, let's wait until after they tag you, if they do. If they don't, you're a free agent. You can hit the open market. But if they tag you, that's tag number one. Then when this four years ends, they tag you again, that's tag number two. They're never tagging you again. Nobody's ever tagging you again after that. And that's important to Adams because he'd be one year away from the market, the open market, if he had done that four years ago. Now they could tag him twice and right. then let him walk away. And he'd be, he's got to be close to 30 now. You, they could just decide they're going to tag him the next two years and then let him go. And you're not going to get the money that you would get on the open market if you were able to hit it right now, Chris. No, definitely not. You know, again, I, you know, do they want to treat somebody like that again? You know, disrespect another great player on their football team like they just did to Aaron Rodgers and now do that to Devontae Adams? You know, I would think they want to make things warm and cozy with him. You know, one, if Rodgers does stay, of course, it's the number one target in the guy. But even if Rodgers leaves, you still want to look into your fan base and go, wait, wait, we still got Devontae Adams and – we're, we're still got a real team here that's special. 
I mean, but this is going to be big money to, to re-sign Devontae Adams, of course. I mean, his numbers are gigantic the last two years. He's definitely one of the best wide receivers in football. You know, yeah, I mean, is he my cup of tea at the receiver position? No, not necessarily. You know who I like. I like the Jamar Chases and Debo Samuels and Tyree Kills and those guys of the world a little bit more. But this is a special player, and they're going to have to pay him, you know, somewhere in the 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 million dollars a year. What's Hopkins' average salary, average per year salary right now, Mike? Right? Wasn't it around twenty-seven 20- new money? That's twenty-seven a, new money. But so, that was a deal that was done without an expiring contract. Right. It, it gets it gets funky when you're talking about an extension versus a contract yes, from right. scratch. Nobody's close to twenty-seven million on contract from scratch. No, no. That, and that, but but at the very least, the next guys down, I believe, if I remember correctly, are like Julio, right around twenty-one or twenty-two. Keenan Allen was around twenty. Uh, if I remember right from last night. So then, you know, you add that. Devontae Adams certainly in that class, if not better, than those guys right there. So that's a, that's a big number, definitely. And uh, hey, I would think at some point they figure it all out. I haven't heard this, Yeah. right? I haven't heard that this is possible. But would it be crazy if Devontae Adams gets tagged by the Packers and then it's Rodgers and Adams – to the Broncos together for whatever they give up for Rodgers plus whatever they would give up for Adams. And they get to go to their next team. They get to continue. Adams gets his payday from the Broncos. Is still playing with Aaron Rodgers. That would be something if that happened. Now, yeah. I, they probably have to give back Jerry Judy. Yeah, uh, right. Cortland minimum, Sutton, you maybe replenish. something. Yeah. Yes, right. Definitely. But, but man, if if the if the Broncos could come out of this with Rodgers and Adams, that would be something. Oh, it would be. They're, they're definitely. I mean, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would love that. That would again, that you know, goes into our theme of you know him being warm and cozy and having people around him that he trusts and understands. I get that definitely. But I have a hard time thinking Green Bay is going to let that happen. You know, hey, we might lose Rodgers. It ain't going to be a good look if. The Denver Broncos next year are in the playoffs and tearing it up with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay fan base is going to go, what the hell? We let both of our best players out the door, and here they are kicking butt for another football team right now. I don't know. I don't know if they could swallow that. But uh, I think because of the Rodgers situation, it puts extra pressure on them to make this Adams thing work in Green Bay. And we would be rooting very, very zealously for a rematch of Super Bowl thirty. 32 or 33 32 that, yeah that Packers, was uh, Broncos yeah 32, 32. right that 32. was 32 yeah that was a good Broncos, one my favorite one of my favorite winner. Super Bowls ever Elway copter all right yeah. uh let's take a break when we return a draft of where we would like to see Aaron Rodgers play in 2022 we'll do that when PFT live continues right after this he's sending that L right at me isn't he he wants to send you the middle finger And Aaron Rodgers closing in on making a decision. At some point, the decision will be made. We don't know when. There's been talk that it's going to happen by Tuesday because that's the franchise tag deadline. I don't really think that matters, Chris. I, I think that, that it happens by by next week. Yeah, right. At the latest. Right. But it already should happen. Uh, it should. We should know by now. It's odd that it's taken this much time. But the longer it takes, the more I believe he's got the menu. 
He's just picking the meal. I, I, I have a trivia question that I just came up with because I saw we didn't have one. I've got one for you, and okay. I think that this is accurate. To whom did Aaron Rodgers throw his first career touchdown pass? Wow. I feel like his first career touchdown pass was a game where he came in for Favre against the Dallas Cowboys uh, one year in 2007 when Green Bay was really good. Um, I'm going to just throw out, let me see here, um, Donald Driver. Oh, good idea. Right game. It was a, a game that the Cowboys were leading 27-10 in garbage time. He found his current nemesis, Greg Jennings, ah, damn for it. a damn short it. touchdown. So, yeah. uh, I can still remember that. Go. That was a big game. Dallas was, of course, really good. Green Bay was really good. And Favre got hurt, which almost never happens, and it kind of took – steam out of the game a little bit and yeah green bay got behind and uh yeah that was kind of our first look as a, a national audience to see aaron Rodgers a little bit my first pick flows directly from what would be the best for my business i will be fully transparent about that and the best for my business would be for aaron Rodgers to land with the pittsburgh steelers right up the road 100 miles away we could hang out drink some tequila drink some scotch we could we could do a reading from my <laughs> he's book not hanging out with you dude he's not hanging out with you i know but i can i can uh, a kid can dream uh but i think it would be awesome if he played for the steelers that that's the one that i'm secretly rooting for uh, it would look all aw- i mean he'd look awesome in the uniform that's for sure and i i would be cool to see you know see that i, I don't disagree definitely and then i mean i don't know would you would you abandon the Vikings and become a Steelers fan if Rodgers went to Pittsburgh? I mean, what would you what would you do there? I, I've already – you, you don't want to believe me, but I've already abandoned the Vikings. I'm, you're, I'm agnostic at this point. You're, you're so full of store high and transit, it's hilarious, All okay? Right. All right, here we go. What's um, well, so, <laughs> you know what it means now? Did you catch up? Hey, I there? dropped an S-bomb. I was really salty on Friday on PFTPM, and I, I may have dropped an S-bomb. Yeah. I didn't get in trouble yet. Yeah, there was, some, there was some salt in your blood last week a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, from pure theatrical purposes, I know this is not realistic, but, I mean, if we're going to have fun with a draft, I want to see him go to Tampa Bay. I want to see – I want to see him play and take over the the Brady Bucks and see what he can do with that football team. I mean, it's a team that's in the Super Bowl window. I'd love to see the pressure of that. Yeah, you had TB12, and now you got AR12 there. It's not Tampa Bay anymore. It's Aaron Bay. I mean, I don't know. That would be full, That would be a lot of fun to see him down there in Tampa Bay. But I know we're not, we know we're not going to see that happen. Well, Was that allowed? Do we want something though. realistic? No, no, no. I, right. You can do whatever you want. I mean, right. for me, it would have been the 49ers if we're going to go there. I'm not, I'm not saying that's my next pick because I'm choosing to be realistic. Okay. Oh, if, wait, wait. So I shouldn't I mean, be, reali- I should be realistic. Pie in the sky. Go, if it's up to you. But for me, pie in the sky would be the 49ers. Okay. That's All right. the one, but it ain't going to happen. All right. So let me be realistic then, okay? And right. let me, let's wipe the, the Bucks one off. And then I will Bucks go with the gone. Tennessee Titans. I'll go to the Tennessee Titans. I'd love to see that. With him, with Vrabel, a team that's on the cusp. You know, him with A.J. Brown and company, Derrick Henry, a defense that's in place. That, that, that'll be the place, like I said, to start the show that I think makes a lot of sense. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, that's who I got my sights on, the Tennessee Titans. Next one for me is the, the Denver Broncos, even though that's where all the indications are leading. Again, I'm a businessman. I'm trying to generate interest in the sport. And one of the easiest ways to generate interest in the sport is through change, through chaos. I like some chaos. Aaron Rodgers going to the Denver Broncos 10 years after they picked up Peyton Manning would be chaos. Not as chaotic as Pittsburgh, but chaotic enough 
for me to prefer that to him staying put. Yeah, it would uh, it would be good. It definitely would. I mean, and again, I think you know them, Nathaniel Hackett, team on the rise, man in the AFC West against Herbert and Carr and Mahomes. Uh, that would be pretty unbelievable divisional showdowns twice a year with all those guys. Um, I'm going to go to Miami Dolphins the next one. You know, again, not one that we hear about or that's like realistic. I mean, we know the Steelers, Titans, and Broncos are the three in the leader house. Miami is one that I thought might come back to the, the scene of the crime here a little bit. You know, and even when they signed Mike McDaniel, I went, ooh, Rodgers? I mean, why wouldn't he want to go there with Mike McDaniel? LaFleur, Shanahan, I mean, it's all, it's all the same system. Dolphins are another team that I think, you know, we look at, most people in football look at and go, defense set, offensive line needs a little work. Yeah, they could use maybe one more receiver to, grow, you know, round out the, the group. But, man, there's a lot to like there in Miami. So I'll throw uh, the Dolphins in the mix. I remember when the Eagles fired Chip Kelly, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the team, was big on finding someone with maximized emotional intelligence because Chip Kelly had very little. McDaniel has a lot of it. I can just tell from our conversation with him last week and other things I've heard him say. He would get along with Rodgers well because he would know how to get along with Rodgers I would well. agree. Instinctively, right. he would know how to get along with him, and I think that's an important part of it. That one is intriguing to me. We know this is, it's only been a week. It feels like a lot longer than that. They were thinking about Brady. Well, if you can't get Brady – Who's the next best choice? It's Aaron Rodgers, if he's available, and he is. And I know they're all in with Tua, but again, if Aaron Rodgers shows up on your doorstep, you change your mind. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. All right, there are our selections so far. The teams we want to see Rodgers play for next season. Now, look, I think he should stay with the Packers. I think that's his best move. But that's not the best move for us. But what's there to talk about if he stays with the Packers? He stayed with the Packers. So, although I think he should stay with the Packers, my next choice is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. I think that would be awesome. They're not going to be able to pull it off. Maybe they can. They're, they're in the AFC, so at least the Packers would consider it. And he's 0-2 lifetime in Lucas Oil Stadium, so he knows how hard it is for the opposing team to win there, Chris. Yes, uh, definitely. And it's a team, again, I think just like a lot of the other teams we've mentioned today, that are they're on the cusp. I mean, it's a team that you look at and go, man, they need one more weapon or receiver and one more difference maker on defense. And you go, damn, the Colts are, you know, in the Super Bowl running for sure. Now, this is where I don't know to go. I don't know if there's any more realistic options here as far as what can be expected from Aaron Rodgers here as far as teams that really make sense. Again, we know they don't want to trade him to the NFC. There's nobody else in the AFC to even hit on here. That's what's crazy. We're, we're almost out of time, so it's time to make your pick. It's time to poop or get off the pot. What do you got? We're I, out of time. I'll go 49ers, okay? Fine. I'll go the 49ers. Right. I don't know. There's no other realistic teams to choose from he here. He should stay where he is, but here's hoping he doesn't. We'll go see to tomorrow. Tennessee. Have a good day.